holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ozil. Marca Mesut Ozil. Bellerín, qué golazo. Magnífico. Gol. Qué golazo de Bellerín, gol del Arsenal. Gran gol de Bellerín, 1-0. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there and welcome to another Arscast Extra as always with James from Gunnerblog. Good morning. Good morning. Um, the Arscast Extra today brought to you in association with Audible. You can get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook download by going to audibletrial.com forward slash Arscast. And uh, we'll give you some more details of that a little bit later on. How's it all going? It's all going swell. Thank you. A few technical gremlins yeah, this morning, weren't Yeah, we? but there were. We're here, we're here now, and that's what counts. For, for now. We could disappear at any moment. That's the I thing. Know. Well, let's enjoy it while we're here. Yeah, exactly. Um, how about yourself? How are you? Uh, I am all right. I'm all right. Um, yeah, I don't know. It feels weird, doesn't it, that we're coming up on the final game of the season already? It, it feels like weird. we just started. Didn't we only just sign that Alexis fella? I know. It's flown by. It's flown by. But it's a bit of a weird Premier League season in that respect, in that it feels like things have been, for the most part, sort of tied up for quite a while. Mm. You know, we've been relatively secure that we'd be top four for a good few weeks now yeah um and top three looking very very likely top three looking very likely indeed of course yeah because uh, i think we just need a point from our final two games to secure that third place uh, i mean second is not is not out of the question if we win both our games and southampton beat manchester city on the final day of the season we could finish second well that would be nice mm. i'd like that lucas Ferianski, i saw didn't do us any favours against Manchester City. Um, I saw people talking about it, but I didn't see any of it. So what what happened? I, I don't know, but I just saw the criticism. <laughs> right in my in my head, he just sort of like stands aside and and waves them through. Here, have uh, a goal, please. Yeah, Why, by be my guest. After denying us several the other night. Well, that's that's a bit mean spirited of him, really. I, I know, have to come say, on, mate, do us a favour. Yeah. Um, but yes, Old Trafford. Mm. It's a it's big it football stadium. No, that's true. It's true. It felt a bit <laughs> underwhelming, didn't it, yesterday? Yeah. When you uh, think about some of the, the, the classic games that have gone on there, and it was all a bit end of season-y, and nobody could really be that arsed with it. They certainly weren't that arsed. And you got the feeling, particularly in the first half, that we were playing with half an eye on the cup final. Would that be unfair? No, I don't think that is unfair. I mean... As soon as Chris Smalling was named as captain, I was thinking, well, you know, this fixture's lost some of its sheen, hasn't it? <laughs> and uh, there are always a lot of sort of questions and articles and stuff about how this game isn't what it used to be. Uh, but I really thought that yesterday was an example of this fixture lacking the intensity it used to have. Mm. It, it felt like a kind of a vaguely competitive friendly, if anything, and it was sort of just very curious atmosphere. Yeah. 
Yeah, I thought so. A curious performance as well. Well, it was poor from an Arsenal point of view. It was poor in the first half. And, Mm. um, yeah, I mean, look, I think we've played poorly in other games. uh, And maybe that was... We weren't going to be hugely expansive, but I thought the way that we gave the ball away and lost the ball consistently and and pretty much everywhere on the pitch. I mean, Alexis, I love the guy, but man, I mean, he was trying to lose it in every zone possible. I think he wanted like the perfect heat map of losing the ball. <laughs> yeah, it was strange, wasn't it? I mean, there was talk that he had an injury or was unwell, but mm. I, I never found out really what was at the bottom of that. But uh you wouldn't surprise you at all, would it, given his performance? I think he looks as well like a guy who could do with the rest. And I suppose there's an element of concern that he won't necessarily get one this summer. Yeah, not this summer. But I mean, I think he looks... I mean, the thing about it uh, needing a rest as well is, what was it, seven days since our last game? Or well, Monday, and so six days. True. So it's not as if our schedule has been has been hugely trying. Uh, I mean, do you think he's feeling the cumulative effects of the season, all the effort that he puts in? Because in fairness to him, he didn't play well yesterday, but again, he was he was working hard, chasing down, uh, trying to press high up the pitch. Um, so, I mean, the, there is a physical uh, effort that he puts in regardless of, of how well he plays. Yeah, that's, that's more what I mean. I just feel like that that must have an impact over the course of a season, especially with the World Cup behind you too. Uh, although saying that in the last 10 minutes there was that instant where he was closing down the defence effectively on his own mm. you know waving at teammates to join him so he's still some, obviously got something left in the tank Yeah, but he doesn't look quite as fresh as he did back in August certainly yeah I mean was it was it one of those performances do you think that came off the back of a of a defeat um, you know having lost to Swansea on Monday um, then having to go to Old Trafford knowing that more than anything, you can't afford to lose another game. Was there was that that kind of timidity uh, part of the performance? Do you think? Probably. I mean, I think a second consecutive defeat would have put a real dampener on things ahead of the cup final. Mm. I mean, the funny thing about it is that actually a one-all is a pretty decent result, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's all right. Yeah, you go to Old Trafford, come away with a one-one draw, come from behind, even if there was a touch of good fortune about the goal. I mean, I don't think you can compla- uh, complain too much about about the actual result, but perhaps there's an expectation of of better performance. Yeah, maybe, but I think I think it was just one of those kind of strange end of season games, and I think there was a, a bit of a lack of motivation on both sides, really. But mm. what was a a bit frustrating to me in the first half was that United's threat was very obvious. You know, Ashley Young was clearly the outlet for them on the left wing and obviously Fellaini is a, a huge factor in the way they play. I've actually been quite critical of them recently because I sort of think, is that a strategy that you can win the league with, you know, building things around Fellaini to that extent? Mm. But I, I feel like we ought to have seen it coming and dealt with it slightly better. You know, their goal sort of came as a consequence of that and all their threat in the first half came as a consequence of that. And it just felt that we were a little bit caught off guard by it, which is kind of unforgivable given that they've been doing that for weeks now. Yeah, I mean, should we be worried that, uh, once again, across from the right-hand side, uh, I'm not saying you can expect a full-back to stop every cross. That's not realistic. Uh, and I don't think it's necessarily a reflection of Hector Bellerin uh, but, you know, two games in a row, cross from the right-hand side, not dealt with um, properly f- from that point of view. Uh, should that be a worry? Or, or is the bigger concern that Ander Herrera was just allowed to saunter into our box with nobody anywhere near him? <laughs> I don't think either are great. Um, I think Bellerin's had a brilliant season. I think we're all agreed on that. But 
he is a young defender and he will be targeted by players. And I think having seen what Jefferson Montero did against him in midweek, maybe that, or last week, sorry, maybe uh, Ashley Young was, you know, targeting him and maybe United looked at that. It wouldn't mm. be a surprise. Yeah. I, uh, as for the Montreal thing and players tracking back, it was quite odd. You know, Coquelin has been an outstanding performer for us, but I didn't think he was at his best yesterday. In the FA Cup game, he coped incredibly well with Fellaini and there was some stats that came out of that match about the number of duels he won against the the giant afro freak. Mm. But uh, <laughs> he didn't quite uh, live up to that billing yesterday. So it's it's difficult picking out individuals because I just thought particularly in the first half we were generally well below par. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you can look at maybe someone like Azorla didn't play very well, mm. Alexis didn't play very well. And that obviously has an impact on you as a team when you're trying to when you're trying to attack the goal itself. Then I mean, any issue with uh, with Ospina? Kind of. I mean, the thing is, it's a very good finish. Um, he's got some crazy stats for finishing Herrera, he's mm. like a Ole Solskjaer figure. But I look every time a goal goes in at a goalkeeper's near post, you sort of do a double take, don't you? You you, you think back to Manuel Almunia and that supposed weakness of his. Yeah. But it was hit with great force. Uh, the positioning, I suppose you would question the positioning, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, the thing about Ospina is, for me, is that there was nothing hugely wrong with what he did uh, in terms of the goal, but it just kind of kind of looked wrong or felt a little bit wrong, you know. Mm. Um, you can't be too critical when a guy is like five, six yards out from goal and he puts it in because uh, there's nobody anywhere near him. But there's just for me, there's just this sense that there isn't quite enough from from the goalkeeper in situations like that. Well, I think what his critics say is that he doesn't make too many saves you wouldn't expect him to make. Yeah, you know, it's rare that he. There haven't been too many occasions where he sort of caught you out with a a stunning, you know, piece of goalkeeping. But I don't know. It's it's a really difficult one. I, I think my my gut remains that there's a better goalkeeper out there for us. Mm. You know. Call me, call me a crazy romantic. <laughs> uh, okay, I will, but just not right now. So, um, all right. So, look, first half was poor from an Arsenal point of view. Second half was better. I mean, I don't think it could have gone much worse than, than in the first half, really, in terms of our, our performance, our passing, our lack of attacking ability. Was there some stat that we didn't have a shot on goal for, you know, the, the first 45 minutes, something oh, like that? Half, yeah. yeah, for the first time since 18, 12, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but better in the second half and better when Aaron, uh, Aaron Ramsey moved middle and also when Jack Wilshere and Theo Walcott came on. Yeah, what do you think? Do you think it was just that United sat back a bit, were content to defend their lead? Or mm. Do you think that those little tinkerings with the system had a, had a big influence? I think it was a mixture of all those things. I mean, when you're when you're chasing for an equaliser, you're obviously going to try and build some momentum when a game heads into its final stages. Of course, you're going to up the ante a bit as well. I think United were quite happy to, to sit off and, uh, and just protect the lead, as you said. And I also think that, that Wilshire and Ramsey in the centre of midfield made a bit of a difference. Walcott gave us a, an outlet on the right-hand side. Um, you know, I mean, he didn't get a huge amount of the ball, but the one time that he, he got into a reasonable position, it worked out well for us. I, I like the idea that he's claiming the goal as, mm-hmm. a, as a shot um, because, you know, I think it was a cross, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, you know, um, it definitely was. And it was quite funny. They they cut back to Thierry Henry in the Sky Studio and the presenter said to him, well, Thierry, you would have claimed that, of course, wouldn't you? And Thierry's like, definitely not. It was a cross. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, look, the thing about a shot is that, you know, you hit it towards the goal, whereas this was being pulled back towards the penalty spot. But look, you know, fair, it went Walcott in. Doesn't, doesn't always hit it towards the goal, so <laughs> we'll never know. It could well be, a, yeah, it could well be a, a shot. But look, uh, a little bit of good fortune, but on the balance, I don't think it was um, undeserved, really. No, and actually, weirdly, once we got the goal, there was a slight sense that we might actually push on and win it. Um, do you think we real... should have? Do you think Giroud should have scored that chance? I do, actually. I mm. do think that was a very good chance. You know, it's a, in some ways, it was a classic Giroud run near post. And you know, a few games ago, I think he was sweeping those away, no problem. Yeah. Uh, six games, I think it is now, without a goal. Maybe his confidence has taken a little bit of a dip. What did you make of his performance in general? Um... I mean, I thought he was all right, but, you know, again, not not a huge amount of service. The one time that he did get into uh, a decent position, I, th- I think he worked it well himself, you know, used his upper body strength, but just was sort of on the stretch and couldn't poke the ball with any conviction, did nothing but, but uh, hit it tamely towards De Gea. Uh, I think he should have had a penalty. Um, from yeah, from those that paper moment. shirts we were calling for. Exactly. This is uh, uh, like genius. <laughs> if, if we'd been wearing paper shirts yesterday, Mike Dean would have had no no choice but to give us a penalty kick. As it was, Smalling is literally almost pulling the shirt over his head. I mean, I, 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 you know, I think we all know there's a certain amount of pulling and grappling and all that kind of stuff that, that goes on at corners. Um, and it's very difficult for the referees to decide who's pulling who and who's got hold of who in a more uh, aggressive way. Um but I think when a striker is in the box from a corner and the defender has literally pulled his shirt up around his shoulders, you know, if the referee sees that, he's got to give, he's got to give a penalty. I agree. Much as we all understand the temptation to try and undress Olivier Giroud, mm. uh, it was a <laughs> surreal scene to see unfolding. And the referee just sort of looking at it indifferent. Did he? Um, was he actually watching it, yeah? I believe so, yeah. And I, and I was just like, well... I mean, that's it, isn't it? All bets are off now. Mm. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. You might as well just bring, you know, gaffer tape and just start wrapping it around the strike. <laughs> Put a plastic bag over his head, sellotape it around his neck. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I mean, I, I go back to that chance. I think, you know, a few games ago he would have scored that. And I think we've seen him score that goal n- uh, numerous times. That run to the near post and the kind of flick finish in, a, in, in uh, just between the keeper and the post. I think he's done that lots of times. Uh, so a bit of a shame that he couldn't um, he couldn't you know end his scoreless uh, his scoreless streak because uh, yeah what's that six games now six it is yeah so if Welbeck is fit on Wednesday does he start up top for you maybe maybe I expect they they will change it up a bit on Wednesday I, th- I think they have to don't you yeah yeah I mean I think there's a, a need to uh, to to freshen things up a little bit you know. Um, We've spoken before about how we understand why the change uh, changes weren't necessarily made to the starting lineup because the team was performing quite well. But I think the last two performances have shown that maybe we need just something a little bit different, that we've become a touch predictable, that Ramsey on the right isn't really working out um, the way we would like it to, and not through any lack of effort or endeavor or quality from, from him, but just simply because he's a, a much better central midfield player. Um, and I think it's going to be an interesting decision for the manager to make who he leaves out. But, I mean, I could see him play Sunderland 
without Cazorla, uh, who looked a bit tired, without Alexis, who looked a bit tired. If Giroud is fit, then, you know, he could come back in. I think we'll probably see Walcott against Sunderland, uh, probably see Gibbs, uh, maybe Debushi if he's back. So we could see quite a number of changes, I think, uh, for, for the Sunderland game because uh, obviously you want to keep players uh, fresh for the final game of the season and also for the cup final, but also maybe to just to remind players that there is some genuine competition for places in the team that when you when you play the same starting lineup six games in a row whether it's conscious or subconscious perhaps there's a touch of complacency creeps into the performances and you'd be hard pressed to say that the last couple of games were our best in terms of uh, in terms of the way we've played yeah, and also with a cup final on the horizon, I think you want everyone in the squad to be as sharp as possible. And I don't think they can get to that level without game time. Mm. You know, I think you want guys like Wilshire, Walcott to be able to come on and make an impact at Wembley. And I think that giving them the opportunity to start a match, you know, find their feet on the pitch a bit more, will be you know a step towards that. Yeah, yeah. Well, there we are. So that was that. I mean, it wasn't a massive amount to say about the United game, was there? It kind of, as I say, it sort of drifted by in mm. a curious manner. It just sort of happened like a Tuesday. Did you... Um, you know that way? Every week there's a Tuesday and it was just like, yeah, there's Tuesday. Passing Done. without comment. Mm. Yeah. Did you see Louis van Gaal addressing the fans afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> Dear fans. That yeah. was hilarious. Dear fans. Dear fans. Um, meanwhile, the Arsenal fans, I think, were serenading him with uh, songs about Wembley which yeah. I quite enjoyed well that's good that's good I mean look you know when you have those end of season um, you know your final home game the the lap of appreciation and all that kind of stuff you know um, but no I thought I thought that was very funny dear fans it's quite like, nice to, to see um, their lap of appreciation looking for clues about who's leaving that was us about five years ago wasn't it you know yeah. every every end of season it was like oh Van Percy waved or whatever it might be. <laughs> Seth Fabregas looked quite sad. Yeah. So, yeah, watching them sort of try and read the body language of the likes of David De Gea was uh, enjoyable. Mm, it does seem like De Gea is off to, uh, off to Real Madrid, though. Yeah, it seems very much that way, which is good news, I think, because he's probably the best keeper going in the Premier League. So, mm. yeah, delighted to see the back of him, to be honest. Yeah, maybe we could, uh, maybe we could sell United uh, Ospina or something. Maybe, maybe. I'm not sure how they'll feel about it. <laughs> Victor Valdez, um, yeah, making his debut. Exactly. I've sort of forgotten about that, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, I kind of had, all right. Um, because they had, like, some other guys, didn't they, that were, like, battling Lindegard. with the head? Lindegard and Hildegard and Hindenburg and all those guys. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Valdez, it would be interesting to see if they go with him next season. It will, yeah. Talk about Hugo Lloris as well. Oh, United are, are they? Apparently. Right. Chesney's might be on the market. Mm. So. Yeah. Who knows? We'll we'll have to just wait and see what the goalkeeping merry-go-round brings us. Mm, the the famous season. goalkeeping merry-go-round. So, uh, anything else to say or discuss or talk <laughs> about uh, with regard to that game? Uh, or the weekend in general? I didn't weekend. see any you know match of the day or anything like that, so I don't know who did what and who won. Or I mean, it looks like Hull are getting relegated. Let me just have a look at the table Any here. Any thoughts on that? Um, no. They've got a lot of ex-Spurs players, so... Well, who do they play on the final game of the season? Manchester United. Manchester United? Okay, well... They well, need to win, really. Well, they definitely need to win. They have to win. 
No question about it, because there's two points between them and Newcastle. So they have to win. And if if they win and Newcastle draw, then I think by goal difference, Newcastle will go down. That would be quite weird, wouldn't it? Sunderland could also go down if Hull win and Newcastle win and they they lose their next two games. Of course, they're playing us. Villa are safe. Um, hmm, that's, yeah. I mean, it's pretty boring, isn't it? Like Sunderland, Newcastle or Hull. I mean, out of those three, who would you like to see go down? I think Sunderland, to be honest. Yeah? Yeah, I just feel like they are rubbish and they've been getting away <laughs> with it for years. I mean, I was quite keen to see Villa go down because I think they are one of the most boring... They were, mm. under Lambert and McLeish, one of the dullest Premier League teams I've ever seen. Yeah. So I was, you know, I was sort of eager to see the back of them. They appear to have saved themselves, so, you know, well done, tactics team. Mm. He sorted it out. But... Um, in their stead, I think I would choose Sunderland. I like right. Steve Bruce. He reminds me of the old bird lady from Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I can just imagine sure. him with all these pigeons squatting on him. Yeah. It turns out he's really nice. You give him a turtle dove. And Newcastle, uh, I sort of, again, the romantic in me, I kind of, I think they're sort of, Quite stupid, their fans, if I'm honest. That's quite harsh, isn't it? It is quite harsh. I mean, it's a shocking generalisation to make that. I'm sure there are some stupid Newcastle fans, but there are probably also some stupid Arsenal fans. I feel like the way they hounded their manager out, Alan Pardew... But they thought he was a cunt. And in fairness, they had a very good point. But they may well be relegated as a consequence. Yeah, it is a bit cutting off your nose to spite your face in that you know, sense. But look, you know, how do you weigh that up? The future of your football club versus the fact that you have a mild or quite strong dislike for Alan Pardew. Fair enough, fair enough. They made the right call, mm. it turns out. I would um, like to see Newcastle go down. Would you? Why? Yeah, just because they're quite a big club. And I think there's something just really amusing when you see a club as, as big as Newcastle go down. Well, they did not too long ago, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, and they came back up and, you know, they've got the resources and, you know, but chances are they could go down and Mike Ashley could just turn the place into the biggest outdoor sports direct that anyone has ever seen. Like, yeah. the, instead of a pitch, there's just trays and, and uh, tables and tables full of, like, really awful trainers and tracksuit bottoms. Yeah. And Every day they just yeah. wear a uniform. Mm. Imagine it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's halfway there. Yeah. By all accounts. So that would be my thinking. I don't think it will happen. I think Hull are pretty much fucked unless United are, are uh, you know, completely on the holidays. Are they at home? They're at home against Manchester United. So that gives them a little bit of a, a, little bit of a, a boost. Newcastle are playing West Ham. Um, probably see them beating West Ham. but West Ham are... A- They've given up long ago, haven't they? And Chelsea are playing Sunderland. Wow, Sunderland's final two games against Arsenal and Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, so their fans must be kind of... They've got the old turtle's tail thing going on this morning, I'd say. I'd say so too. Mm. Isn't it amazing? We played Manchester United and we're talking about Sunderland and turtle's tails. Yeah, that's just... That's the kind of game it was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you missed it, you you may well have been watching it, to be honest, and just not noticed. Yeah. Yeah, like there's no need to find any downloads or GIFs or highlights or any of that kind of stuff. It's just Don't like, bother. Yeah. Even our goal was rubbish. <laughs> it really was. 
But, you know, I, I was happy to see it when it went in. I was, it was quite funny the way Victor Valdez sort of sat down. Mm. You know. A lot of keepers do that these days. There's a lot of sitting down and just kind of... Eh. Lazy, aren't they? Yeah. They're Goalkeepers, I think they are, essentially, as a breed, lazy people. Just waiting to get back in the dressing room and get a fag on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Roll a spliff. Just, mm. you know, chill out. All right, cool. Well, look, uh, that will do for uh, part one of this most exciting of all Arscast Extras. We'll be back with your questions on part two right after this. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is the uh, part of the show where we take your questions. But before we do that, just to remind you that you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free free trial from audible.com by going to audibletrial.com forward slash Arscast. And you can sign up there. We get a, a little bit of money for a sandwich and uh, it, it all helps. James, have you, um, have you read the new John Ronson book? So you've been publicly shamed. No, I haven't, actually. Have you ever been publicly shamed, apart from after every blog you write and that kind yeah, of stuff? Yeah, I mean, exactly. This podcast comes out every week, Andrew. Come mm. on. Um, I can't think of anything. A friend of mine um, who is an actor, I think this is the most public shame incident that occurs to me. Okay. He did a job, as actors will do when they're desperate, where he was in a kind of living advert about drink driving so inside a train station he had to like sit inside a giant upturned pint glass for like six (laughs) hours at a time like just like pressing his hands against the outside like looking really sad he looks quite sad anyway he's got quite sort of hollow eyes mournful kind of an ozal disposition exactly however this was shortly after he had just broken up with a a long-term girlfriend and he was in birmingham um and uh, he'd been telling this uh, this ex-governor, yeah, yeah, I'm acting now, I'm doing pretty well, I've got this job. Didn't tell her what it was. And he was inside this upturned pint glass when she <laughs> should walk by <laughs> with her new boyfriend. Oh, no. Um, and he's just there, trapped in this you know, giant perspex glass. Oh, my goodness. I think that's public shame. That is, it's a different kind of shame, but still Owen Roberts is his name, just put that out there as well. Say again? <laughs> Owen Roberts. Owen Roberts, the man who was in a pint glass when his girlfriend got it on with another guy in front of him, probably. (laughs) Effectively, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Um, look, yeah. Is is that what the book's about? No, not really. It's about... (laughs) Got nothing to do with that at all. Um, No, it's about when um, people happen to say things online, for example, and and it becomes misconstrued, and then Twitter, the hive mind, uh, you know, jumps upon them and and, uh, causes their life um, huge discomfort and distress. And sometimes it's those people being a bit stupid. Uh, Sometimes it's those people being crass. Sometimes it's... um, it's those people saying things they probably shouldn't, but in the end, it's not really that bad at all. But this this idea now that, that you know, this everyone has to be right all the time and correct and proper and, uh, and uh, the way that people mobilize. It's a very, very interesting book. And uh, the reason I mention it, of course, is that you can get it on audible.com. So if you want to listen to that book for... Hey, y'all, it's Matt Marr here, a.k.a. Maddie, And Poodle, a.k.a. Jake Anthony. And we host the podcast 90 Day Gays. Poodle, I'm excited because Christmas is here. Aren't you excited? Bah, humbug. What's so great about Christmas? 
I'm just going to get another boring, straight-looking sweater for my Aunt Jane. Well, Poodle Scrooge, you tell your Aunt Jane to get you Best Christmas Ever on AMC+. Plus. You will love it. Oh, wow. They got all my favorites. Elf, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, The Year Without a Santa Claus. And y'all, AMC Plus is available on all your devices. So celebrate the best Christmas ever anytime, anywhere. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Free. So you've been publicly shamed by John Ronson. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash arsecast, sign up, and you can get your free audiobook download, and you can get that book there from uh, from John Ronson, narrated by John himself. And John, of course, is a big Arsenal fan. So uh, so it's all good. Everyone's a winner. And we, crucially, we get a sandwich. We get a sandwich. Mm, Can't um, stress that enough. No, this is true. I'd love a sandwich now. And uh, yeah, my stomach is making quite strange, uh, empty of sandwich noises. But look, let's get on with some questions. And uh, okay. I- I'll allow you to uh, to kick things off this week. Okay, let's kick off with this one. It is from at Sir Lucas, a.k.a. Podzilla. Podzilla. <laughs> Podzilla. <laughs> That's that? good, actually. Yeah. Imagine a big, gigantic Podolsky kicking down buildings with his powerful left foot, his mighty tail swinging behind him. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine it. Only if the buildings were quite close, though. I can't really imagine him running to a building. No. Um, <laughs> and he asks, after Bellerin's breakthrough season, which youth player do you think has the best chance next? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know. Is the is the answer? Okay. Um, I find it hard because of the way the the under twenty ones and the under eighteens have struggled this season. Mm. It's very difficult to see uh, who has got the quality to make the the step up from that level. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think they you know they obviously think very highly of Zellalem. There's Daniel Daniel Crowley, central midfielder as well, very highly regarded. But you know, when you look at it, who who could it be? Is there a like? Do we include Akpom in this? I think he would be included for sure. He could be close, but you've got to think he's probably going to go on a loan next season in midfield. I don't think. Um, go on, Serge Gnabry. Can we? Help? I mean, he's he's been part of the first team, so I don't really see him as a as a, a youth player anymore. Okay. So he's been part of it. I don't see any midfielder making the breakthrough. Christian like, Bielik? Perhaps. Perhaps. But again, I've never seen him play, so I, I can't make that I can't make that judgment. No. I don't think there's any defender of any great um of any great merit. I know Isaac Hayden was in and around the, the squad, but you know, he's now got Murtisaker, Cassiani, Gabriel and Callum Chambers to get ahead of. So I don't see him uh, and I don't see a goalkeeper so the answer to that one is nobody I mean I, maybe it will be maybe it will be nobody I think it pro- it's more likely to be nobody than somebody I think that's probably true I mean there are a few names 
who are certainly well thought of. We saw a little bit of Maitland Niles, didn't we, mm. this season? Um, quite an exciting midfield talent. And then, I don't know, yeah, beyond that, there's a left back, I think, a double barreled left back, Brandon Ormond, or- Ormond Otterwell, yeah, yeah. Who's, who's highly rated. All these players named by the, uh, the Arsenal gent. Exactly, yeah. But I think it's very difficult to see, A, where that breakthrough might come. You know, mm. where's, where's the point of weakness in the squad? Uh, and then and then be who it might be. I mm. think, you know, Gnabry doesn't really count, as you say. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, I think he might go out on loan anyway. Yeah, I think so. Because he's got to regain some kind of... I mean, he hasn't played for a, a year, really, yeah. with any kind of consistency. I mean, I guess it, it will depend on circumstance as well, though, because... Um you know, sometimes a manager is forced to use a young player rather than planning, you know, his, uh, what's the word, his insertion into the mm-hmm. team. That's not the right word I'm looking for. But, you know, to sort of, uh, you know, get him on the trajectory where he's going to be in the first team. Like uh, Bellerin, for example. Well, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that Arsene Wenger had no real plans to use him anywhere near as much as he did. Uh, but no. because of the, the injuries to Debushi and the, the struggle that Chambers had after starting his season very well, you know, he, he obviously had to use him and it's worked out very well. And I think there's, you know, we've spoken about this before. There's often an element of, of good timing and good fortune to a young player's breakthrough. So who knows? Somebody might come out of left field next season that we don't expect at all. But looking at it on paper, I just don't see it. I don't see anybody really hammering on the door in the way that, let's say, a, a, a Jack Wilshere was or, or an Aaron Ramsey, a, you know, a few few years ago when they were younger. So, well, you say that, but Wellington Silver is now eligible for an EU passport. Fantastic for him. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I mean, that will certainly open up the amount of clubs that we can sell him to. <laughs> Indeed, it will. Mm. Um, Go on, then, your, your question. All right, okay. Uh, this is a question from Zen Jepras, or Jepras, at Zen Jepras. Uh, and he touches on the goalkeeping thing and our interest in Petr Cech. And he says, psychologically speaking, would signing a Chelsea cast-off be a healthy statement of our ambitions? Ah, interesting question. I, I See, I'm pro-Cech, I would say. Yeah. I think... I think that's what we should do. And there's lots of reasons for it. I do think he's in the top three goalkeepers in the Premier League, probably. Okay. But I also feel like he... I don't think there's a single player in the current squad who's actually won the Premier League. Um, Whereas he has. Right. And I do think that that experience would bring a benefit to us, actually. I I see it like that. Rather than getting a Chelsea cast-off, you're getting someone who is a proven winner. Right. And I I think that would bring with it a certain benefit. But I remember reading on your blog, I think, last week, that you have have some doubts over a check. Yeah, I mean, I just think that... I think the goalkeeping issue is certainly in focus, and I I, I agree that it's an area that we can improve, for Mm -hmm. sure. And if the right goalkeeper is out there, then, you know, let's, let's go do it. Um... I guess it depends on whether A, Chelsea will sell him to us, B, whether he'll come to us. I don't see probably why he wouldn't unless he's super loyal to uh, to Chelsea. Mm. Um, but, you so know, again... I, it. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, he's only 30. He's only just gone 32. No, actually, he's, he's going to be 33 in two days' time. Ooh. Ooh. So that's, yeah, he could well be past it in two days. Yeah, exactly. 33 is as old as Jesus was, and look look what happened to him. 
It's like the old championship manager games where mm. your stats would drop on your birthday. <laughs> um, but look, yeah, maybe, maybe he's the guy. And maybe there's another guy out there. I don't, I don't quite know. But, you know, is the investment required? I mean, I know we do have issues with the goalkeepers, but is the goalkeeping issue the biggest one that we face this summer, in your opinion? Oof, I think it might be, actually. Right. Um, I mean, Puma would like Jack because they could... You know, imagine the hat merchandise that you could spin out of him. Mm. But I am. Um, I, I think, think he it, should be made wear a different style of hat every week if we sign him. So one yeah. week it's a bowler, the next a Stetson, then a Fez, you know, then just like a beanie cap, a beret. You know, I think I think that could be probably the best reason to sign him, just so he could work his way through. Um, it's quite through weird, the verse. Ah, do you know what though? What. Imagine if we did that with Petr Cech, we'd have to sign James Milner. What? Why? Well, you know, what do you call a hat maker? Oh! Hey, come, come on! Suddenly that transfer rumour <laughs> makes loads of sense. Yeah. It is weird um, that some goalies wear caps, isn't it? Like, when you break it down, are they still doing that? Are you still seeing that, goalies with caps? I can't remember the last time I saw a goalie wearing a cap. Is it in the rules? Are they allowed? Can a fullback wear a little visor if they want? Well, I mean, I guess they could, but it wouldn't do their chances of heading the ball much good. It's just quite weird, isn't it? Like, when you actually step back from it, that some goalie's like, yeah, he's going to wear a little cap today. Mm. Um, well, I guess they only wear it when the sun is in their eyes, right? I don't know. Maybe they just want to look cool. Yeah. They wear the cap backwards? Exactly. Like Poochie? I'd like to see that. Yeah. Um, I'd also like to see Czech wear a cap over his hat. That'd be enjoyable. <laughs> Two hats. Um, is it the biggest issue we face? I think it's the, the one that sort of requires the most obvious, pragmatic and immediate attention. I still think that the biggest issue is kind of if a world-class player comes on the market, mm. we are now a club who should be competing for that level of talent. So right. I almost think that... It, 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 in that instance, it doesn't matter what position the player is. You know, mm. it's like we didn't need Meza Özil, but Meza Özil became available. It, well, we did need him, but do you know what I mean. It wasn't necessarily the one position where you thought, "Oh, we've got to sign a playmaker." Yeah, we had loads of playmakers. So, it, you know, in terms of like strikers or wide players, if somebody who is of an enormous quality comes on the market, then you've got to put, you know, you've got to put some eggs in that basket. But in terms of a problem within the team, I think goalkeeping. Is, is the main one, yeah. Right, okay. All right, well, we'll see. So your eggs are in the Petr Cech basket. Yeah, I just think it makes sense, but, I mean, Mourinho won't do it, will he? So it's all moot. Mm. <laughs> let's, uh, let's have a look at this. Okay. Oh, okay, so this is from at Wenger is French. He is. A well-researched Twitter account there. Mm-hmm. And he asks, since Thierry Henry criticised Giroud, he's been poor... Do you think Omri's comments have directly damaged Giroud's confidence? Um, I don't think they were helpful, but I don't think that's the reason why he's uh, he's stopped scoring. You know, mm. um, I don't think the the comments were particularly fair. Um, I don't know, especially why he said it, but I don't think you can. I mean, if a player is that fragile of mind that some comments from a guy on TV make you make you stop scoring, then you'd be really worried about him, you know? So, 
is he fragile of mind, Olivier Giroud? I think he might be a little bit, to be honest. I think there's... You always get the feeling that he's got this air of of, of self-doubt, you know? Mm. That sometimes the the celebrations for the goals are almost like him being like it's proving something to himself you know these overconfident celebrations where he goes sliding along you know i feel that he could be a little bit fragile of mind but i don't think Henri's comments have a have a lot to do with the way he's been playing in the last few games i don't think they do either and i no. think that if i mean i i agree there may be some of that mental fragility there i think there were some comments from him earlier in the season about arsen wenger talking to him and wanting him to be effectively cooler on the pitch you know not cool I mean he's pretty cool look at his hair look at his swagger but mm. I mean like I think he used the phrase like a killer and I think that he doesn't quite have that and, and he does go on these runs so when it's going well for him he'll score several games in succession he'll look a lot more confident but then when he misses a few goals I think that starts to directly uh, impact upon his 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 performance Yeah, and we're yeah. seeing that at present I don't think I mean, he's been criticised quite a lot in his Arsenal career. I can't imagine that the words of Thierry Henry on Sky will have had a significantly greater effect than, no. than any others. No, I mean, uh, I, you know, like I said, I don't think it was particularly helpful. But you would like to think that if, uh, you know, if the, the the right response to that would be, right, well, I'll prove you wrong, you know. And unfortunately, <laughs> the response to the comments... Um, if you could even call it a response as such has been to go on uh, his longest uh, goal scoring drought uh, this season but look you know we said this before that it it happens uh, to certain players where uh, you know they score they score they score and then they're going to have a period when when they don't it happened to Alexis and there were no comments from anybody that damaged his confidence so I think it's just coincidental more than anything I would agree I would agree all right is it is it my turn it is. All right. This one comes from uh, Tim Stillman at Stilberto. Um, and he wants to know that if the FA Cup final was tomorrow, what would your starting 11 be? Ooh. I think we can. I mean, do we make the assumption that um, you've got everyone fit? Or do we take it that if it was tomorrow, we're having to deal with whatever injury problems we have at this moment in time? I think we can assume that everyone is fit. I don't know, can we can we work with Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain? Is he an option? Well, yeah, if if we're assuming that everybody's fit, then yeah. I'm not sure he'll get enough game time to actually be in contention for the final itself. He'd have to play, you'd think, one of the two remaining games, Sunderland or West Brom. Mm. Um, which is a pity, because I think if he was fit, I think he might be in my team um, on the right-hand side. Mm. I think that he played really well there earlier in the season and I think he's he's potentially the best option of what we've got. So, I think we all... Well, my back four would be Montreal, Koscielny, Mertzaka, Bellerin. Would right. you agree with that? I would, if everyone was fit, I would go with Debushi over Bellerin. Okay. Simply because he's got the experience... Um, you know, it's a final. It's a big, big game. I think you need players of of uh, of that kind of stature in your in your big games. So uh, I've really enjoyed Bellerin. I like what he's done this season. I think maybe in the last couple of games we we've seen him reach that point that Chambers reached, where in a, a debut kind of season, you, you're not that you're coasting, but you're being swept along by this. Um, 
you know, you're in the team, you're playing well, but you're still a very inexperienced player, and there's some issues with that, and I think we've seen that. So if everyone were fit, I would my back four would be uh, Monreal, Koscielny, Mertesacker, Debushi. Solid, a lot of experience there. Mm-hmm. So then behind that, this is going to be one of the big talking points. Yes, it is, isn't it? I... <sighs> Um, I think I would go Ospina just because of the regularity uh, the back four is sort of accustomed to playing with him. Yeah, well, here's uh, a question. I know somebody sent this in. I apologise, but I can't find it because I had to do some uh, restarting with our technical issues. But somebody had asked that if Chesney is to play in the cup final, given that he is the, the cup goalkeeper ostensibly, should he be given one of the the final two games... Uh, in the league, either against Sunderland or against West Brom. And this is quite reminiscent of, of what happened last season. We were asking these questions about Fabianski. And did Fabianski get no. a league game? No. no. He was spared and then brought in at the last. I think uh, that would be a good idea, to be honest. I'd, if you're going to play Chesney in the final, I'd probably look at playing him against Sunderland mm. or West Brom. Yeah. Yeah. But... Um, I don't know if I would play Chesney in the final. It's not even that I think he himself is a liability. I just think that if the team are on a roll, defensive units are so much about coordination and understanding, I worry about disrupting that mm. in the final. Mm. So I think I'd go for a spin. And I understand the thing of Arsene Wenger has these kind of rules in place, but the whole issue with Chesney appears to be that he didn't abide by Arsene's rules. Yeah, that's true. That's so, true. But, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of torn on this one because I think last season it was pretty obvious that Chesney was a far superior goalkeeper to Fabianski. Yeah, he was the one that, that sat out the final. Uh, and I, you know, I've said it a number of times, I think Chesney should have played in the final. But the manager kept faith with his cup goalkeeper. Um, Chesney hasn't been the cup goalkeeper all season. Yeah, for me, I think... If he's picking Ospina as the number one week in, week out in the Premier League, then he should pick Ospina for the final. Because it just, you know, it makes sense to play the, the keeper that you, you deem best. If it were me, though, I think I'd play Chesney in the final. Just because I'm just, there's something about Ospina that just doesn't sit right with me. Uh, I think Chesney is uh, a flawed kind of a player um, and obviously a bit of a strange character to do what he did and to lose his place in in the way that he did it was beyond stupid but I don't know I think I would go with Chesney for the final and would you be looking to give both him and Debussy game time between now and the end of the season then mm. yeah I mean I think so I think Debussy if he's I think he's back in training so I expect Debussy to play one of the final two games I would be surprised if he played Chesney against Sunderland. But if we win against Sunderland and have secured that third place, then it wouldn't surprise me to see Chesney on the final day of the season against West Brom. And then that will lead, of course, to a week of questions about about who's going to play in the cup final. So that's the sort of the back half of mm. the team. Um, front six. Mm. Is that right? My maths is bad. Yes, front six. Yeah. I think... so. I'm tempted by Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain on the right-hand side. Yeah. If he's available. Um, but I don't know who I would drop, is the honest answer to that. Yeah. So I might start, although I have my reservations with it, I might be inclined to start the way we have been starting. 
but know that you've got that flexibility of dropping Ramsey back in mm. if it isn't panning out. Uh, so I think that's probably what I would do. What about you? Um, I would be inclined... I mean, it's very difficult, like you say, to decide who, who you're going to leave out because they all have their qualities. And I could be tempted by perhaps Ramsey on the... In the middle, mm. which means moving or dropping Cazorla, which is a really big call, a really tough call to make. Moving him, not as much as dropping him. But then who do you play on the right-hand side? Like, I don't think you play Walcott. Because um, Villa are, are reasonably dangerous down that left-hand side, aren't they? With uh, Grealish. Yeah, they've got he some... plays out there. He's a good player. So you need to be sort of defensively switched on, whether Cazorla can do that job from the right as well as Ramsey would. I don't know, it's difficult. And you'd have to look maybe, maybe if um, if Giroud's form continues the way it has, then you could probably think about leaving him out, could you? That'd be a big call. It would play Alexis as a striker, though. We've done it before. You know, yeah, you could play um, maybe Ozil from the left-hand side. I don't know. It's difficult. Very difficult. I think the next two games will will um, will tell us a lot about what the manager's plans are and what maybe he should do based on how the players are playing. Because you know you want to play your best players, but you also want to play players who are in form. So, so there's uh, been a, cu- a cup goalkeeper, but there's also kind of been a, a cup striker, Danny Welbeck, in the shape of Danny Welbeck, who played the quarterfinal and the semi-final. Mm. Do you think there's any chance that Arsenal will want to see that through? I don't know. I mean, Sonogo played the quarterfinal and the semi-final last season, and there was, you know, he, he wasn't <laughs> starting. But I mean, again, he came on and and made a a bit of a difference. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it'll be interesting to see if when he makes changes over the next couple of games, and I think he will. He's got to just to sort of liven things up and keep things a bit fresh. How those changes impact on the way the team plays, and I think that will have an impact on the team that he picks for the for the cup final. But look, it, it's. Um, it's a good problem to have, no? Trying to decide where to get all these players in. It is a good problem to have, and it means hopefully that we'll have players in reserve on the bench if things start in a similar fashion to how they did last year. Mm. Um, another question? Yeah. Okay, this is a interesting one. It's from Jack Fares, at Jack Fares. And he says, 20 years in the future, imagine it, the year 2035. 30, 35. Probably not be here, but he says. Why? I mean, he, are you, you think the world is going to end, or we're all going to be dead, or I'm just moving. That's all. All right. Okay. Um, is there any current player you could see as Arsenal manager? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think the one that sticks out most for me is uh, Mikel Arteta. Hmm. That he looks to have the sort of the desire to do something and also the intelligence and he speaks well. Um, and he strikes me as somebody who would be a, a pretty good coach, but it's it's really difficult to say, isn't it? You know, um, yeah, Arteta, who else? I mean, Mertesacker as well, yeah? Maybe Mertesacker. being a good coach. Mm. He, would, he would put a, 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 a good figure on the sideline, wouldn't he? A gigantic manager. Yeah, like the, we, li- we like a lanky manager. Mm-hmm. The tallest manager of, of all time. He would be the <laughs> tallest manager in Arsenal history if he were to make it. It's weird when tall people get old, I think. 
In what way? <laughs> I don't know. I just tried to imagine Per Mertzacker at sort of 60-odd. Mm. And, like, his height seems somehow incongruous to that. Yeah. Um, well, Arsene Wenger's tall. He's, what, six foot three, six foot four? Yeah, true, true. But I just find it a, a slightly curious sight. I find Arsene Wenger quite a curious sight. Mm. I, I'll admit it. Um, so, yeah, he'd be a contender because they always say, you know... The, slower players tend to be better thinkers about the game. I mean, I suppose the same applies to Arteta. Yeah. Yeah. Who else? I mean, it might be somebody that you just don't expect at all. What's very interesting is the amount of um, managers that have come out of Barcelona. Yeah. Who have been kind of in this football environment that's very cerebral almost, you know? So maybe there's a a knock-on effect of that that some of our guys would be Hector Bellerin for Arsenal manager. Yes. 20 years in the future. Well, he'd still only be just 40. So, yeah, he could well Player be. Player manager. Player could, manager. Well, Pep Guardiola took over Barcelona when he was, when he was whatever, 38 or, well, I can't remember yeah. what it was, but he was, he was quite young. So Hector could come in with his, with his Spockney accent. Can we call it that? It's yes. like Spanish, Cockneys, whatever. Um, Spinglish. I don't know. <laughs> it's great. I love listening to him talk. I do enjoy that. Yeah. Mm, it's nearly as weird as Ali Adier's. English, French, oh, mashup hybrid, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that would be mine. Anyone that you that stands out for you? No, Mertzaka, I think is the obvious one. Arteta is talked about a lot. Someone who could have a future in coaching. I mean, it's notoriously difficult to predict these things, and the correlation between playing style and coaching style is slim at mm. best. Um, they'd be they'd be the ones. I mean, funnily enough, he's not an Arsenal player anymore. You talk about Barcelona. I imagine that Cesc Fabregas is someone who might have a future as a coach. Whether or not he'd be welcome to do that at Arsenal remains to be seen. Well, yeah, I guess. But time passes. Water under the bridge. Time heals all wounds and all that kind of stuff. You know. I mean, will people take Patrick Vieira as a a manager, for example? Well, I'd like to think so. I mean, you know, it's... The, the greater part of his history is with with Arsenal. But. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, imagine, yeah, manager Monreal. Well, that's be. it. It could be, couldn't it? You never know. Yeah. Um, I don't think it'd be him, though. Might be David Ospina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, imagine. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Look, I think um, I think we've taken this as as far as we can take it. So we'll uh, say thank you to everybody for all the questions that you've sent in. Uh, we've got the Sunderland game on Wednesday. That'll mm-hmm. be interesting. Um, midweek football feels strange again, doesn't it? It's been a while. Not used to Mondays, aren't we? Now? Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, we won't be having an extra Arscast extra. We'll look back on that game uh, on the Arscast on Friday and ahead to the final, the final weekend of the Premier League season uh, on the Arscast on Friday too and we'll be back on Monday to discuss last season that'll be weird won't it that will be strange but of course we still have the cup final to look ahead to uh, so we'll do that as well alright then um, thank you as always we'll catch you on the next one bye bye
holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy. Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply.